Hello there, listeners. The episode you are about to listen to, I had some slight technical difficulties. You know when you think you've plugged something in, but it turns out you haven't? Well, you're about to hear what happens when that happens. So my apologies, but this was one of my most favorite conversations I've ever had with Andrew, and I really hope that that shines through despite the audio quality. Thank you for your patience with me. Welcome to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the Queer James Bond podcast. I'm Shane Holland. And I'm Andrew Wheeler. On this episode, we're counting down the James Bond theme songs from worst to best. Before we get to that, though, Andrew, have you done anything very Bondy this week? Have you had your quantum of bondage? <laughs> You're really going to try and make that stick, aren't you? I want to make it stick. <laughs> you know, I'm going to talk about booze again. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's going to come up. It's a running theme. Frighteningly often in the Bondiest things we do. But what I have done, in fact, has, has uh, started my own infinite martini. Excuse me? <laughs> this is uh, an idea I saw online. You may be more familiar with the, there's the infinite whiskey or infinite, I think there's an infinite Manhattan. The idea is basically when you finish a bottle, you're about to finish a bottle of something. You tip it into another bottle, a decanter of sorts, um, and you let the flavors of your your last remnants mix together over a period of weeks and months. And basically, forever and ever, you top up that one bottle with whatever is left of whatever drink you're, you're using to fill that bottle. So whiskey is the go-to. People will have a bottle of, uh, of whiskey that they just pour the last remnants of any whiskey into, and it becomes a unique bespoke blend. Um, I'm probably going to do the same thing with my rye because I always have a bottle of rye on the go. Uh, but for a martini, it's a little more complicated because, of course, there are there are two drinks in there. There's always some vermouth and there's always some gin. Um, and the flavors, you know, I've seen people online say that the Infinite Martini is a little bit more of a tricky proposition because it is such a strongly flavored drink in both the vermouth and the, the gin. So I'd be curious to see how it goes, but I am keeping it in the fridge. And at the moment it has three types of vermouth in there and three types of gin in there because I've been doing this for a couple of weeks now, really. But but this week it, uh, it almost got to fill the bottle. So uh, I have to start drinking it. <laughs> after the next bottle of, of gin that I buy, I think. That's so exciting. There's so many ways it could go wrong, but it also sounds like there's so <laughs> many ways that could go right. Uh, right? You said that you've tasted it already? No, I haven't tasted oh, it Oh, that's coming up. Oh, I'm so excited to find out what that's like. <laughs> it has been stewing away, so maybe a future Bondius thing will be me drinking it. Maybe I'll even share it with you. Oh, um, don't excuse me like that. So there is, uh, I'm trying to remember what I have in there. I have some of the Drum Shambeau, which I mentioned in a previous yes. week. I have some Gordon's, some Tanqueray in there. Um, and then for the Vermouths, uh, that's where it gets really interesting, because the Vermouths can go all over the place. I have Dolin dry vermouth in there. I have some of the Lille Blanc from the Vesper. Um, and then I have some of the Otto's vermouth, which you will remember is a Greek vermouth that is slightly rosé. Yes, wow. It's kind of the wrong colour, so it could throw everything off. But I do think the Otto's is more, yeah, it's it's sweet, but it's not as sweet as, as a sweet vermouth. This is going to be a crazy cocktail. and It's, it's going, going to be, be crazy. Like so many things. And if it doesn't work, well, we'll start over again with a, with a new batch of something. And when I say it doesn't work, yeah, I'm going to drink it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're not going to let it go to waste. No, no. <laughs> As someone who has worked in in and around the liquor industry for over 10 years, I am shocked I've never heard of this concept. I feel like I've not done my job properly at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's on the internet. So, so it know, must it, be true. It, it must be true. Uh, what about you? First of all, I'm going to have to start my own infinite scotch or infinite whiskey. whiskey. That <laughs> yes. sounds incredible. Um, my quantum of bondage, my bondiest thing, probably also dealing with whiskey. Now, uh, or sorry, with booze. By the time that people hear this, this will be old news, I hope. I hope, I hope <laughs> that this is old news by then. But the United States just uh, decided to kick out its fascist leader, and I got roaring drunk that night. So uh, <laughs> that's probably the most Bond-like thing I'll have experienced this week. 
<laughs> toppling a, a, a terrible narcissistic menace to the universe and, and, and drinking. getting wasted yes that, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty on par with most <laughs> of these books and films yeah we are recording this episode uh, just a couple of days after the uh, the election and results finally came through with pennsylvania so you'll be hearing this hopefully in a time when everything is fully resolved and that little whiny man child is no longer throwing tantrums I will make a prediction. I am positive that by the time you're hearing this, he has not conceded the race. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't expect him to concede. I don't expect him to show up to the inauguration. It doesn't matter. No, no, it's certainly out anyway. No, he is quickly leaving my mind. And with that, I think we should move on to the cocktail pick of the week. What an excellent idea. Um, Yes, we, we talk about drinking quite a lot on this uh, on this podcast but one of those things is a regular segment so we have to talk about booze in that segment so it's time to ask andrew what are you mixing up this week because we pick cocktails to, to try and match the episode i thought i would go for something that represented to me two of the big moods of bond themes because we're talking about all the rich textures that go into making a bond song great so i wanted to pick a cocktail that marries the moods of dark and light of glamour and bombast and so i chose the black velvet elena miles favorite yes and she never got to do a bond song she would have been great black velvet is a very simple mix of champagne and guinness uh i used carver in mind it's a Drink that mixes uh, two things that Dame Shirley is known to enjoy, so that's another reason it's uh, an apt cocktail. Shirley is uh, big on the champagne, always has been, but also when she was recording with David Arnold, uh, he reported that she liked to pour and knock back the occasional Guinness while they were collaborating on the album performance down in the pub. (laughs) So the fact that Shirley enjoys both champagne and Guinness means the, the Black Velvet is the perfect drink. I have a question. Yes. You said that she was knocking this back while they were recording in the <laughs> pub? <laughs> while they were collaborating. <laughs> no, I, I just want to be sure that Dame Shirley Bassey recorded her album with David <laughs> Arnold in a pub. I, I think a pub was heavily featured. It may not be the exact <laughs> recording location. But on the other hand, who would blame her? This is such an interesting drink. It really reminds me of a sour, actually. Yes, that's what I thought, too. It, there is a lot of sourness and lightness that comes through from the champagne into that sort of dense, iron-rich sweetness of the Guinness. Mm. And it becomes this sort of very fruity, swampy drink. I'm not sure that it's the best example of either Guinness or champagne, but it is something that's quite novel on its own merits. Um, And it is a a cocktail that was featured in a James Bond novel. It's in Diamonds Are Forever. Bond invites Bill Tanner out for lunch to to enjoy a couple of Black Velvets. And it seems like the kind of drink that two two people working for MI5 might knock back on a boozy afternoon. Because, you know, when you mix wine and beer in the same glass, you're probably planning to take the rest of the day off. (laughs) Well, I know I am. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's the Black Velvet. It's one of the bassiest cocktails you can have. All right. I think it is time to start talking about our favorite Bond songs, the best Bond songs, starting from the bottom. The worst Bond songs. (laughs) (laughs) Starting with the the worst. This is what we did. Andrew and I rated each of these songs from our favorite to our least favorite. So uh, our favorite got a one, our least favorite got a 24. We added up the numbers, divided it by two, and that's how we got our ranking. Neither of us has any idea what the other has picked for any of these songs. Everything is blacked out and will be revealed to us one by one. I'm I'm so excited to do this this way. The fact that neither of us know the results is great. Uh, should we just jump right in? Shall I start with our number 24 pick? Yes, by all means. And number 24 on our list of Bond songs is... Another Way to Die by Jack White and Alicia Keys. This certainly is not a surprise to anyone. This This was my number 24 pick. I... Do not enjoy this song. This was my number 23 pick, which means my number 24 will probably be next on the list. I, I'm not sure actually how maths works, so that's <laughs> maybe a terrible assumption. Um, maybe my 24 is your number one pick, and it's going to be like 12th or something. I don't know. What can we say about this song? It's this tonal. 
it doesn't match the movie. It, they did, couldn't even find a way to incorporate it into the soundtrack uh, by David Arnold. It's it is a write off of a song, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a fair opinion. It's it's one that I skip when it comes on most of the time. It's one that features some of the worst vocals from Jack White. You know, one of the crimes of Another Way to Die is that you have Alicia Keys singing a Bond song and she's not getting to just let loose and roar and be, you know, she's a great and astounding vocalist um, that should be in the ranks of the great Bond vocalists. And instead she's sharing the song and trying to sort of bring her performance down to a Jack White level. Oh, uh, it's oh wow. such a wasted opportunity. Shade thrown, but I do not disagree with you at all. Shall we move on to number 23? Let's. The song is Die Another Day by Madonna from the film Die Another Day. I, I ranked this last. You do not agree with me, but you don't rank it very high, it has to be said. I gave it a 21, <laughs> and I am honestly wondering, what on earth did I put before this? <laughs> <laughs> You know, here is the thing. We are, this is a queer podcast. We are gay men. Madonna is an important and iconic figure in uh, in our lives and in our culture. And the idea of Madonna doing a Bond song should have felt like something great. It could have been amazing. And instead it was a turkey. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. And it's, it's from an era where she was doing some, some good stuff. Did she do Austin Powers before she did Die Another Day? Yeah. And that's a great song. Frozen is a great song. Oh. Tell Me is a great song. Like that is actually one of my favorite eras of Madonna. This is coming on the back of that. And it's this cacophonous, disjointed, very of its era, like not at all timeless piece with weird like vocal ejaculations. I, I, I don't even agree that it's of its era. I think even then you could see that it was already falling far behind where the EDM movement yeah. was going. Madonna should have given us the best queerest Bond song of the 90s, early aughts, and we got this mess instead. I think I only rated it so high because of sentimental reasons. Uh, This movie (laughs) came out when I was in high school. It was one of the first CDs I bought for myself. I probably went to Future Shop and listened to it on repeat over and over, and it didn't take me more than a couple of months to realize that this was one of the war songs. (laughs) It's a fact of any Bond song that I think if you're a Bond diehard like we are, you're going to try and like it. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> Certainly. I even had another way to die on a playlist at one point. I want to, I want to give these songs a chance, Andrew, but some of them are irredeemable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sigmund Freud, analyze this. <laughs> I do still sometimes say that, though. Oh, yeah, that, that is timeless. Okay, you know what? That's probably why I gave it a yes. 21. <laughs> Moving on to number 22. We have another not surprise, and actually we both figured this at exactly the same place. It is Chris Cornell's (laughs) You Know My Name from the film Casino Royale. Possibly one of the best Bond films, possibly one of the least memorable Bond songs. It's it's not that it's awful. And actually like the the music of it I quite enjoy. Or have come to quite enjoy, maybe just because we've watched Casino Royale so many times recently uh, that it's wormed its way into my consciousness. But just as a song, it doesn't particularly, it doesn't stick for me. No, um, some of these songs kind of have this meaning that goes beyond the Bond film. This one is literally just about James Bond. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, the fact that it's a very self-referential title and has nothing new to say and it isn't sexy no if a song is about bond usually it's sung in a way that that you think it's being sung in a like i want to sleep with james bond way we will get to those songs very soon i think yes well not too soon all right shall we move on to number 20 i think we have to all right so number 20 is (gasps) the living daylights by aha oh wow i'm surprised that this uh came in where it did I am too. Like we both actually have it ranked slightly better than twenty, but that means there are some very divisive choices coming up in the list. Oh yeah, we have some of some of us love something that the other hates. And actually, this is joint twenty. This is actually joint twentieth. So there is another song here. Should we unveil the other song? We'll have to talk about them at the same time. They're ties. 
And the other one is The Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith. Wow, we have some real strong disagreements here. Uh, I, uh, (laughs) once again, I am confounded that I rated this one as highly as I did. Uh, (laughs) I think I gave it points for being the gayest song about James Mm -hmm. Bond. And while it's... I, I was about to say, while well, it's one of my least favorite from the Craig era, I realized that I've already disproved that by putting <laughs> two others below it. <laughs> it's middling. It's certainly a middling Bond song for me, and it comes right in the middle of the list for me at around 15. Which is fair. Yeah, I, I appreciate the queerness of Writings on the Wall. It is one of those uh, songs that feels like it's being written about Bond and about a sort of the heartbreak of being in love with Bond and the fact that it's being sung by a non-binary person it makes me want to like it more than I do. The fact also, though, that it's so it feels so derivative of Skyfall by Adele. It, you know, it feels very much like they thought, well, Skyfall was one of the most popular Bond songs of all time. How can we do that again? Well, we'll get a vocalist, Sam Smith, who is Adele-like, and we'll write a song that is Skyfall-like and see if we can recapture the magic, which is never a good way to, to go. No, it is truly just a cookie cutter of Adele. You're so right. And The Living Daylights, I mean, that this is a, this is an interesting one. The Living Daylights uh, by AHA came out, I don't know, probably five years after AHA was even big anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so even that felt tonally wrong at the time. However, I, it's got some great stings. It's got some fun licks to it. Yeah, I actually, I, I rated this one like middle, low middle of the pack for me. We almost rated these songs the flip of each other, if you look at the scores. Yeah, yeah, I see that. So, you know, I actually like The Living Daylights quite a bit. So it means that we're already sort of moving into songs that are kind of good uh, in, my, <laughs> in my estimation. I like how synthy it is. I like how 80s it is. I like Morton Harkett's slightly Bowie-esque nasal vocals. Uh, hey, drive, where you going? Oh, you know, yeah. I enjoy that. <laughs> there might be some song singing in this podcast. I should have warned people up top. Oh yeah, it's going to happen, especially as we get closer to the top. Uh, Shall we move on to our number 19 pick? I think we're ready for number 19. Number 19 is From Russia With Love. Wow. Wow. We had some different feelings about this one. (laughs) Do you know, I had different feelings within myself about this, I think the same way that you have had Mm -hmm. with with Sam Smith. Yeah. I went back and forth. Like I had, because I I ran the exercise a couple of times just to see if my numbers would be the same like a week apart. Uh, And this is one that jumped like about five places even within my own list. Interesting. I think if I had done the same, I might feel the same way. Although I'm kind of happy with its placement on the list right now when I consider what's coming. Yeah, 19 is not a bad place for Matt Monroe because it's not it's not an iconic Bond song. Uh, it's not one that people revere and love. But it is one that when it comes on, I am going to belt the crap out of it. We have recently together. <laughs> we have, in fact, recently. Yeah, like it's actually a, it's almost a better singing song than a listening song because it's so much fun to do like a big croony, bombastic Bond song, which the Bond songs of the 60s are all kind of in that mold. Matt Monroe being the first vocalist to ever do a Bond song was kind of, you know, he was in completely new territory. There was no precedent for what a Bond song is at this stage. But I still feel like this fits ably well in the canon you know i think this 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 doesn't feel like an aberration this feels like a bond song it feels like it's a vocal on a par with a tom jones or a shirley bassey it's just by a a singer no one remembers and it's a song that has very little application outside of a bond song correct i think most people think this song is sung uh by frank sinatra because who on earth knows matt monroe (laughs) yeah he's not he's not someone that we've we've kept alive uh Whose turn is it? Is it mine? Uh, yes. Yes. All right, so let's move to number 18 on the list. Ah, oh, Lulu, ah! the man with the golden gun. Andrew! <laughs> you rated this in your top 10? I love the man with the golden gun, and I know people <laughs> revile it, people loathe it. I don't get it. I think it's such a great song. This was my number 23, listeners. <laughs> I do not agree. I think this song is derivative. I think this <laughs> song is crazy. It is crazy. It's a song about a penis. Yeah. 
you know, the first the first line, he has a powerful weapon. <laughs> he charges <laughs> a million a shot. It's so <laughs> campy. It's so over the top. It has Lulu wailing out for wow. the gods. I mean, God bless that powerhouse of a Scotswoman. She, she knew how to belt. That was her thing. She knew how to wail. And I think this is such like a groovy 70s disco pop bop. Um, and I am glad that I was able to wreck your low ranking. Love is required whenever <laughs> I just can't believe it. I <laughs> tears in my eyes. This is a, this is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's that's just the way it is. Uh, and at this point, we've seen all of your twenty pl- uh, up. I really skewed this list down. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen my number 21, so something I hate is still to come. Oh, I know what it is. All right. So we're on a joint 16. I'm going to reveal them at the same time. Are you ready? I'm ready. Tied for 16, we have oh, The World Is Not Enough and Tomorrow Never Dies. Wow! There it is. My, there it my is. 21st place. <laughs> I rated these songs so highly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Sheryl Crow, Tomorrow Never Dies is basically our flip of Lulu and the Man with the Golden Gun because I rated it 21st <laughs> and you rated it 10th. And it comes in here at joint 16th with wow, garbage. Wow, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Context, I am a 90s baby. So these are my songs. <laughs> uh, well, I should say I'm a late 80s baby, but you know, I, I was mostly around in the 90s and yeah, yes. I mean, the, yes. both of these songs for me are on repeat on my playlist all the time for different reasons. The World Is Not Enough is such a cool, slick, weird entry into the franchise. Uh, and Tomorrow Never Dies is just so sultry. It, it is the only, other than Adele, I think it's the only song in the last 30 years that comes close to uh, some of the Shirley Bassey ballads. I'm just shocked, Andrew, that you don't like either of these songs. I mean, <laughs> you know, I am a few years older than you. These are university era songs for me. I remember literally sitting in halls uh, in York, waiting for the first play of Tomorrow Never Dies on the radio, thinking, oh my goodness, this is it. It, it had only been a couple of years since Goldeneye, but there hadn't been new Bond songs uh, thick and fast for a while. So yeah, I was so excited. And then she kicks in with the line, Martini's Girls and Guns, and my heart sank to to my stomach because it's so derivative. I can see where if this were coming into your life at an age where it feels like it's part of the canon, it would have a different value than to me feeling like it's coming in as commentary on the Bond song canon and therefore feeling just like a, a weak Xerox. And Sheryl Crow to me was a country singer, a folk country singer. And the song didn't seem like a good fit for her as an artist. Oh, but it was also coming out during like the Lilith Fair era. And it was so cool that we had, uh, it, it, just, it felt like one of, one of them was singing uh, the opening song. I, I'm literally just flabbergasted. The Martini's <laughs> Girls and Guns line is like the best part. <laughs> Oh, I am so glad we have this disagreement. Well, listeners, it's the, the last episode of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We'll never talk to each other again. <laughs> um, I will say, Garbage, The World Is Not Enough. I love that song, actually. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. It's just it comes in pretty low. There are just songs for you that are better. I understand. It didn't make my top 10, and I, I, I yeah. really grappled with that one. That one, I, These two actually were, I think, switched a few times in my ranking. Yeah. Um, and I guess I went with the wrong choice in your mind, but I'm glad that I, <laughs> I made that choice. Otherwise, this song would have been on the bottom. Uh, yeah, I think maybe I was unfair to The World Is Not Enough, but it doesn't have the nostalgia value for me and it doesn't quite sit like it's it, I think it's good. I think it's a very good Bond song, but I think clearly I think there are 17 better ones. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> Well, speaking of better songs, should we move on to number 15? All right, so our number 15 song is No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. And we are pretty much agreed on this one. Yeah, you rated it 14th, I rated it 15th, it has landed at 15th. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we talked about um, how uh, Writings on the Wall definitely feels derivative of Skyfall. And I think if this song had come right after Skyfall, we would have said the same thing. And I also think if Writings on the Wall had been something 
a bit more lively that we might have rated this one even lower but i billy eilish does what sam smith couldn't she makes an interesting commentary mm -hmm. um that doesn't necessarily have like it's a song that you could take james bond out of and still listen to yeah i agree with that and it's very mournful it's a very beautiful vocal it feels it feels kind of classic it feels and it feels like a very effective addition to the the canon from someone so young is is what makes it shocking to me like she's 18 years of age that means the number of bond films released in her lifetime is is what like five of them six of them oh my god i'm so old she's singing on the sixth bond song released in her lifetime <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty extraordinary she's not the person that i would have picked i think she just wouldn't have occurred to me as the person to pick for a bond song but i actually really like what she did with it and i think it's a bond song that i will keep listening to i just you know it could be a bit more belty yeah i always want kind of that um what shirley bassey does at the end of goldfinger how it just like the tempo kicks up and all of a sudden you're like mm -hmm. in a different song but yeah. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I'm going to reveal number 14 on our list. That song is <gasps> License to Kill by Gladys Knight. Wow. Uh, okay. this, yeah, you rated it 11. I rated it 17. Um, and it falls at number 14. I did not enjoy this song for a long, long time. And it wasn't until my partner, Maddie said why don't you give this song another chance it's so good it's one of the ones that i love most and i was like oh all right and that's when i like there are some great classic bondy things about it da, da, yeah da, 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 da. and then she comes in that little vocal just yeah wailing in and then oh, yeah i'm team matty on this one <laughs> This for me was, you know, this this was a an early teen years, uh, or I would have just become a teenager when this song came out. So this for me has that nostalgia quality. I think that that I'm missing for some of the the picks we talked about before, and it just felt I didn't know who Gladys Knight was when this song came out. You know, I knew Midnight Train to Georgia as a song, but I didn't know who Gladys Knight was, and I didn't know why she had been given a Bond song. <laughs> But the like the talent is undeniable. It's there on the on the record, and it is like it, it's very of its era. That sort of that late eighties, early nineties R and B era, but it also throws back to Gladys Knight's prime, the the sort of sixties uh, era. It throws back to sort of a, a, a bit of real classic soul, and it just it's one to sing, you know, it's swoony, it's jazzy. It's, uh, it's got a lightness to it. It's maybe better than the film. Oh, <laughs> you might be right there. Um, <laughs> I, it does get a little cheesy at the end for me when, with the ending to kill, kill. <laughs> which I think probably is what helps keep it lower on my list. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, I enjoy it too. Uh, but I'm ready to find out what our number 13 pick is. Let's find out together. A View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Oh, I, again, I can't believe how off we are on this one. I put this in my top 10. Uh, it cracked my top 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I, I mean, this song, it's... Uh, I guess I've, I've made this as a criticism against another, but this song is crazy. It goes all <laughs> over the place. Nothing makes sense about it. It is perfect. It is perfect for the movie that it's in. It's perfect for the era that it's in. This might be the most 80s, 80s song that there is. I love Of You To A Kill. It's not bad. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to say this a lot. No, it, it actually it is. It's, it's got a lot to love about it. It's, it is very 80s, the whole the dance into the fire riff. Uh, lots of, like, driving guitars and drums it feels yeah it's the most quintessentially 80s of the the uh, half dozen 80s bond songs uh it's duran duran they've done oh, better I songs i love duran duran I, 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 yeah i guess they've done a few better songs but this is definitely one of their top three <laughs> <laughs> again better than the movie it's in um... <laughs> okay that we can both agree on but the movie has no factor in our song ratings i just want to put that out there <laughs> okay well maybe it has a little factor in there but only like uh, maybe one one seventh of a factor yeah it might shape your nostalgia for the thing in, in the same way that just our age has a factor in it you know Which clearly yeah 
Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry no, we're so divided. I, I guess I'll die mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be more uh, a, a much less interesting podcast if we just like scrolled down and everything was in the same same place. You know? I, I mean, I guess so, but I, I had kind of hoped that would happen, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to jump up to number 12 now, I think. All right. I think there was a disagreement here. I'm, I'm excited to see what it was. Uh, Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings. Andrew, you gave this a 19. This is going to be the biggest disagreement of all. I think this must be the biggest gap. Uh, This nearly was my number three. I waffled on this one (laughs) so much. Okay, explain to me why you don't love it, and I'm going to try and figure out why I love it. Okay. All right. I mean, the the thing is, I have literally been, we've been going through this list and I've been like, why haven't we hit Live and Let Die? Because <laughs> I love uh, this song! <laughs> how, can, how can that be outscoring any of these other? So, okay. Here are my thing, my thing about Live and Let Die. Um, white boy reggae. Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. The line, in this ever-changing world in which we live in. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that. Go on. <laughs> okay, grammar. Uh, and it, it could have been fixed. In this ever-changing world in which we're living makes perfect sense. But no, they, they couldn't do a second pass. Like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> it was 1973. They didn't have time <laughs> to do a second pass. And uh, it's just such a weird, awkward post-Beatles cacophony of, like, I mean, it's a black velvet, I guess. Like, oh. it's these two different songs stapled together in a really, in a way that does not endear me to either version of that song. And uh, yeah, the just the reggae is. If 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 there was a way to skip a bit of a song, um, mm-hmm. that's where I would be using that button heavily. So, tell me why you love this song. I mean, okay, maybe you're right about the white reggae-ness of it all. And maybe (laughs) if I were going to remake this song, I would change that bit a little. But, I I mean, the the score of it, like the grandeur of the sound, how trumpet and French horn heavy it is. (laughs) I mean, maybe these are just things about me. I, I... I really love a brassy uh, Bond song, and this might be the brassiest. It's shocking. It's The song builds in this way that is unexpected and then explodes at you. And I kind of love the late, Beatle, late Beatles cacophony sound, uh, the, the mash of genres that doesn't quite work because they haven't quite figured it out yet. I don't know. There's something inelegant and awful and wonderful about this song that i just love we don't disagree there no no we certainly don't i guess we love and hate it for the same reason (laughs) wow i can't believe that song didn't make number 10 at least but i think that means it's time to figure out what number 11 is so we can get there and i'm going to reveal that right now as thunderball oh we had the exact same thought about it we both (gasps) rated this number 12 but it somehow made it up to a number 11 because of our weird scoring system, which, you know what, I'm happy with, because I love Thunderball. Everything that I love about Live and Let Die, I love about Thunderball, and even more. Except I somehow put Live and Let Die six places above Thunderball. <laughs> um, yeah, Thunderball, if you'd put Thunderball in number six, it would have cracked the top ten. That's, um, <sighs> I'm, I'm passing the blame here. <laughs> <laughs> We've made our choices. I, I'm, I've made my bed. I am sitting in it. But this is a testament to how many great Bond songs there are. That like we're both big Thunderball fans, and we both agree that it doesn't make the top ten. And and I honestly agonized a little bit about that because when I was putting my list together and realized it wasn't in the top ten, I was like, "How is Tom Jones Thunderball not in the top ten? And then I tried to look for how it could be in the top ten, and there was no place for it. <laughs> wow, I I 100% agree. I I this. This Live and Let Die and the third song, which is coming up, definitely all switched places uh, three or four times. This might be the song that I belt the most when I'm out and about. And while it's not my favorite song, I think it is the most one of the most singable Vaughn songs. Yeah, I mean, Tom Jones has an extraordinary vocal here. It's, it is, again, another of the great Bond belters. The, the legend of this song that precedes it, the fact that he passed out at the end of the recording, 
is a legend in in the Bond lore. There were many other songs that were in the running for the for the movie Thunderball, including our title song Mister Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and some of them are great, actually. This raises a very important question: if the song were Kiss Kiss Bang Bang instead of Thunderball, where would that land on this list? Well, which vocal? Ooh, I mean, I would go with the Shirley Bassey vocal. That's the one that was recorded first and the intention, no? Even though Dionne Warwick uh, is kind of the one who made it more famous? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang would probably crack my top ten. I think so, too. It prob- That is definitely one of my favorite Bond songs of all. It probably would have been either number five or number three for me. It's not my favorite favorite, but it's definitely, yeah, it's... It's top five material for me, that song. Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang would be a karaoke standard for me if it were a song that anyone knew or that showed up on anyone's karaoke book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I love Thunderball. I love singing it. I'm glad that it got higher than we both rated it because it deserves that. We're cracking into the top 10 Bond songs of all time, as judged by us. And the number 10 song is... All Time High by Rita Coolidge. Wow, you rated this so highly. You are so lucky that this got where it did. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah. This is another time where we have just, the divisions could barely be more pronounced. (laughs) Obviously, I love All Time High by Rita Coolidge. I've always loved it. You know, I was uh, a kid when this song came out, and there is just something about that sort of swoony, romantic vocal. The fact that it does not mention the word octopusy in the title and people don't even know that it's a Bond song, but yet it's, it, it endures for me. Like I, Rita Coolidge is not an artist that I um, know outside of this song, but this is such a wonderful romantic Bond song. This is, you know, this is March down the aisle to music as far as I'm concerned. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, sure. I, I love that for you. Um, it's I, cheesy. I'm not denying that it's cheesy. I love the sax opening. It's very cheesy. Yeah. Uh, this is just such a forgettable song for me. I'm so sorry, Andrew. But uh, <laughs> this was always the like when I was making my Bond playlists, it would I, I would have to think if I was even going to include it. Uh, it's just, it's on there for me, you know? Like, would you like it more if it mentioned Octopussy? <laughs> Honestly? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you'd work that in there. All <laughs> I, I mean... wanted was an Octopussy for a, an hour or two. <laughs> All I wanted was an Octopussy for a... Yeah, okay, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, song's better. We're, we're giving it a number 10, yeah. <laughs> How much more divisive can this get? I think we're about to find out as I reveal what number nine is on the list here. We have <gasps> Moonraker by Shirley Bassey. I This was a tough one for me. I rated it a little lower at number 16 versus your number six, I see. That's quite a bit lower. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I love all three of the main Shirley Bassey songs. They are some of my favorite songs to sing. They're all wildly different from each other, which is, I think, what makes her so unique as a singer in this franchise. But if I if this was a choice of like Desert Island, which two Bassy songs are going to make it into my top ten, and then where would the third fall? <sighs> this is how it landed. I the other two are just uh, some outside of James Bond, some of my favorite songs of all time, and this song reminds me that i love a james bond song do you know what i mean yeah i mean you know certainly there's no denying this is the third shirley bassey song um you know of the three shirley bassey bond songs this is number three (laughs) for you that means that out of the top six songs three of them are shirley bassey Uh, and i'm not saying that's wrong but I am saying that one of those songs is also Rita Coolidge's all-time high. So I really want you to think about the choices you've made in your life, Andrew, that have led you to this Listen, moment. For me, for me, a torch song is a Bond song. You know, those, those things go hand in hand. I love, I love a diva belting out some weird romantic song about an assassin. Yeah. Um, that's that ticks my boxes, and uh, 
you know, Moonraker, I still do it at karaoke. I, you know, I think it deserves to be up there. It's just, it's not as theatrical and campy as the other two Shirley songs. Uh, disagree. This might be the most theatrical, the most campy Shirley Bassey song, but okay, <laughs> go on. Oh, okay. Well, no, I think, I think because it doesn't belt the same way that the other two do, it's much more like it's almost a lullaby. It's, uh, it's very romantic, but it's still Shirley, you know? No one does it better than Shirley. Uh, I will say, if they had included the disco version of Moonraker as the title song <laughs> instead of this version, it might have rated higher for me. I mean, that would have actually fit the movie perfectly well. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to argue with you there. All right, shall I reveal number eight? Number eight is Golden Eye. Golden Eye. Tina Turner. <laughs> oh, wow. And we are so agreed on this one. I gave it 11. You gave it 10. It fits perfectly yep. in the top 10. I don't think straight people would agree with us that this is a top <laughs> 10 song, but I agree with us, Andrew. This is one of my favorite songs. It's such a beautiful throwback to the classic era of Bond. It is such a vocal um, you know, it is a powerhouse diva performance. It has the title word being belted for all <laughs> Tina's worth. Oh, yeah. And it has that sumptuous Tina-ness to it, you know? Like Shirley, she is someone who has just her own way of pronouncing vowels that is <laughs> that is delicious and exotic and uh, and wonderful and uh yeah i will gladly fall into a bath made of tina turner singing golden rye my lace or leather <laughs> yeah i i absolutely love it for the same reason it's yeah she is just pure sex and i i i, I can't go on about the song because it's too perfect and i can't believe that people don't love the song <laughs> as much as i do I mean, this is the great thing about Bond songs is, you know, you mentioned straight people, maybe straight boys aren't going to love this. Maybe this isn't for you, straight boys. You know, uh-huh. maybe the Bond song is supposed to be camp and queer and uh, and deliciously over the top. Um, and who told you otherwise? You know, <laughs> they're not supposed to be po-faced pop songs, really. They're supposed to be uh, lavish and, and absurd. And Tina got the memo and what she produced was exactly what was ordered as far as i'm concerned see reflections on the water (laughs) oh yeah oh and of course it's also it's a u2 song like de facto it's written by bono and the edge maybe yes no you're right but it's actually better than like i'm not a u2 person i'm not a big fan of them but they do write some great songs for other people and and the lyrically and musically this is just you know, I think they probably knew that they were creating a pastiche, and I applaud them for doing so. Oh yeah, me too. Can you imagine if we got a Prince Bond song? I was—you just said that you two write songs for so many other people, and I thought, wow, Prince did the same thing, and yet we never got a Prince Bond song. That would have been wild. Yeah, that would have been sexy. I think we need to reveal our 007 pick here. Sorry, number seven pick here. We have. <laughs> Skyfall by Adele. Oh, what? Wow. I am surprised that you rated this 14 because I put this in my top five. This is number four for me. This is one of the most beautiful Bond songs that has ever been written. Adele's voice is sublime. The performance is, yeah, out of this world. The song toes the line between being a James Bond song and just being a Torch song. Oh, yeah. I, I love this song. Mm-hmm. This this is my karaoke go-to. Yeah, I think it's an amazing song. I love it, but it didn't crack the top ten for me. Maybe partly because of the sort of recency bias that I try to always push against. Mm. Like, I think it's probably the highest rated recent song uh, for me, which, you know, that's high praise enough as far as I'm concerned, because for me, Bond songs you know, are a classic. They're they're retro. There is there's never been a modern Bond song that for me touches the hem of a of a classic Bond song. But this one comes very close. Um I think it's undoubtedly like a very worthy addition to the canon. I think, you know, I love Adele. I think she's done a phenomenal job. And yes, I will always sing this at karaoke or <laughs> drunkenly walking home from karaoke. Um there's there's just there's a lot of great torch songs in the Bond canon, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm glad. Really... I'm glad it ended up in the top ten. I okay, think. It, I think it belongs. I don't know what more to say. Skyfall, great song. Thank you, Adele. I'm glad you cracked number seven. 
Let's reveal number six. Oh, here we go. We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong. We rated it very closely. Uh, You put it eighth, I put it seventh. It landed at number six. Uh, It's probably going to be the only man in the top ten, I would think. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I think you're right. and and I would not be mad about that because it, it's Louis Armstrong. Like he's one of the absolute all-time greats. He's maybe the most legendary performer to ever do a Bond song. Uh, this is one of the most unorthodox Bond songs, not just because it plays at the end credits rather than the opening credits, um, and that it plays on the Bond song that is sort of the redheaded stepchild of the uh, '60s and '70s canon, because it's the only George Lazenby song. Um, but it also doesn't sound like any other Bond song. It doesn't sound like a Bond song at no. all, really. Even Matt Monroe sounds more like a Bond song than than this does, and that was before Bond songs were really minted as an idea. This one, uh, coming a, a few years later, it just feels like a very beautiful, elegant, uh, sad love song that, given where it's placed in the movie, immediately after Tracy is killed, immediately after Bond's uh, very short uh, wedding, It's so powerful and it's so beautifully sung and it's a song that has a life outside of Bond songs um, because of how beautiful it is. I 100% agree. Uh, This, uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs. uh, Some of my favorite covers of Bond songs are of uh, We Have All the Time in the World. You're right in that it definitely evokes that final scene this is maybe one of three times on this list where you cannot separate uh the film from the song and so the emotional impact the context of what this song means in that film will always uh be the first thing i think about um and if you i don't know if you've ever lost anyone in your life uh then this song hits particularly hard because i think it is a timeless message uh about how love uh, doesn't necessarily go away, even if someone does. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad that we, I, I'm so glad that we agree on this song, and I'm so glad that it is in the top 10. Uh, if if it weren't for the fact that, <laughs> that some of these songs are the most iconic songs in not just Bond history, but film history, this would have been a number one. Now we have our top five to come, and we have two ties within our top five. Tied for fourth, we have <gasps> For Your Eyes Only, and You Only Live Twice. This is kind of perfect, actually. These two kind of exist on the same plane for me of what they are about. We have them in almost, yeah, of course they're tied. We have them in the exact opposite positions from each other. <laughs> so we'll start with what I rated higher, which was... My number three pick for your eyes only is my one of my quintessential Bond songs. My Bond playlist starts with for your eyes only. So it is probably the song that has had the most play out of all of them in my (laughs) entire life. This song is just beautiful. It is haunting. It is strange. It's kind of discordant in a beautiful way. Uh, Sheena Easton is just perfection that haircut alone (laughs) sells me on this song uh if you've ever seen the music video you'll know what i mean sheena easton is 80s glamour oh i love for your eyes only i i've done a drag number called for your ass only that's how much i love this song it's true i've seen it i was there (laughs) listener i was there (laughs) i love how again it's got this this sort of slow languorousness to it lures you in with beautiful lyrics a beautiful gentle i use the word swoony a lot in talking about bond songs for some reason but it clearly it, Ooh, but it it's is apt and then it's explosive there you know when she gets to for oh, your, your eyes, eyes only um, only for you it's like your whole heart lifts up and it's like oh my goodness i'm one of those women <laughs> flinging themselves through the opening credits of a, of a bond movie <laughs> with chalk exploding all around me it's mm-hmm. like oh my god this is what it's like to feel alive <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, i feel that way every time i naked somersault which is a daily occurrence oh yeah yeah there's no faulting it it's a it's a great song it's sheena easton giving us life 
And then equally fantastic, we have You Only Live Twice. I've already discussed my family's personal connection to this song, which is part of the reason why it rates so highly for me. But also, I mean, this is a gorgeous, evocative uh, song. It, oh, I, I don't know. You take it over, Andrew. I don't know what to say. I love the song. What this and and Fewer Eyes Only share in common, apart from the fact that they're both sort of good girl pop singers performing them, is that they're both very dynamic songs. Um, they both have quiet places and and then beautiful like surging peaks. Um, Nancy Sinatra is the gay boy's Sinatra. Like, <laughs> the straight boys can have Frank. Um, the gay ones all, get Nancy. It's all Nancy for me. I am an Nancy um, boy. What can I say? She is such a like. She's a dreamy pop vocalist. She's a style sensation. I love so many Nancy Sinatra songs um, and the Nancy Sinatra Lee Hazelwood songs. Um, I think you know she's a really underappreciated pop singer actually Agreed. because I think she's over overshadowed by her father. But you only live twice. Uh, my God, it's just such a lovely uh, song to to just wrap yourself up in. It does have that that sort of gentle lilt to it. Uh, it has very the the lyrics are, are inspiring. The lyrics are actually you know some of the strongest I would say of any I, Bond song. I agree. I agree. The the concept uh, overcoming and starting a second life for yourself is. I think we've all been there. We've all had to do it again when we thought that this was the end and we've all felt a love that uh makes life feel new again uh, she she manages to sing about both of those things uh the cultural impact of this song we wouldn't have you only live once without you only live twice that's true yolt over yolo amen love is a stranger who'll beckon you on don't think of the danger or the stranger is gone <laughs> that's a great lyric oh yeah it's a great lyric <sighs> and sung so well um, yeah, th- this is a beautiful pair. This is like a perfect little pop bond pairing of songs. Agreed, and I I love that these two are in the are in our top five, and I love that I know what are in our top three because clearly we are in agreement <laughs> on that. <laughs> okay, this is the gayest list I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not the same bond theme list that other podcasts might have uh, come up with i guess i should reveal number three but our top two are tied for number one so in revealing what's number three i'm also inadvertently revealing what's number one but we'll get we'll get there we'll get uh so in third place oh this is such a tense moment in third place it is goldfinger oh. by shirley bassey wow 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 <laughs> i cannot believe i really thought that our one and two were going to be switched and number wow. three. Oh, wow <laughs> this is my number one song, and, and you have my number five sucked it into third place. Oh, I am you well, devil. <laughs> look, I have my reasoning, all right, and maybe we'll get there when we reach what our obvious number one pick. In my methodology, I eventually had to break it down to what is my favorite Bond song and what mm-hmm. is the best Bond song. And I'm sorry, I went with my favorite. This may be. <laughs> the best Bond song. This is probably the Bond song that, like, if you said the word Bond song, people would start singing Goldfinger! It's just, it's been used endlessly in pop culture. Uh, It is a parody of a parody of a parody at this point, but that song is perfect. Nothing says you're setting into a a James Bond experience and listening to the song Goldfinger. It is a song about a villain in a movie, it is so specific, but it is enchanting. I could have gone either way with the the top two Shirley Bassey songs, and I think in the end, probably I was thinking this is the quintessential Bond song. But you know, you could ask me any day which one is I prefer out of the two, the big two Shirley songs, and and my thoughts on it would flip back and forth. Um, I'm not unhappy to to put either one of them top of the the list. Goldfinger is, yeah, it, it, just as the movie Goldfinger is the sort of the defining Bond movie in many ways, the song Goldfinger is just so quintessentially uh, everything that a Bond song should be, and it does belt. Like, it, it does have 
that big quivering cathedral filling uh, note and it has that beautiful end the you know he loves only gold only gold he, he loves, loves gold, gold. <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect Thank you. Yeah, you know like there's sure. there's not a gay man alive who wouldn't just sing along at the top of their voice to to that uh, to that f- closing uh, few bars and gay men and, and Kanye both I think <laughs> I well I am very happy for myself that this is where this landed on the list obviously because I think that means that my preferred Bond song is going to land in the top spot and let's talk about it well I'm gonna do this a little unorthodoxy now we're going to talk about number 24 and then we're going to talk about number 25 no matter where they land on the list but I have a feeling that we rated this one exactly the same. <gasps> I'm wrong! <gasps> <laughs> oh my god! Okay, well, let's talk about it. Diamonds Are Forever is next. Okay, so joint first place, Diamonds Are Forever, um, by Shirley Bassey. She's back. Uh, it was my number three. She's number two and three. You're mm-hmm. number one. This, this song is... This is my song. This is... I can put this on... I don't even need to put this on. I could sing it from front to back. No problem. It's burned into my memory. It's my Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. The fact that they they got Shirley to sing Goldfinger in the 60s and then brought her back when they're like, oh, we're now we're doing the other precious sort of glamour jewel. We need Shirley back. We need her to do it again. And then they gave her a song that was at least as good as the song they gave her before. Um, And that is just so much fun i mean diamonds are forever it has this beautiful sort of mystical enchanting melody to it it's it's as elusive as diamonds themselves you might say yeah hold one up and then caress it and then it's such a sexual song <laughs> like it. stroke it and undress it and it's a very like queer slash feminist message except in a very gauche capitalist way i can see every part nothing hides in the dark to hurt me oh god it's so good how is this not your number one pick you know it could have been a coin toss uh, at this point you know it 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 is it's very campy it's very you know I don't need love for what good would love do me. Diamonds never lie to me for when love's gone. They, they last the run. It's, it's, a, it's just a great song. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so over the top. It's such a, like, such a fun song to sing and such a fun message to just be like, you know what, men, you think, you, you think you're all that? Well, diamonds, diamonds are forever. So good. Better to be glamorous and beautiful to have a man <laughs> well cheers to that <laughs> <laughs> and that leaves what i thought was going to come in at number two nobody does it better it's great we both ranked it number two on our list and it's come in joint first because of all of the shenanigans around the two shelly bassy songs once again math outsmarts us uh... <laughs> we're gay we don't do math <laughs> carly simon nobody does it better from the movie the spy who loved me uh it's great i won't lie there wasn't a hesitation in putting this number two but if diamonds are forever weren't on this list it i mean yeah of course it was number one this is one of the most beautiful songs that's ever been written for a film you could take james bond away and i would still love this song even though it mentions spies like the fact that the words the spy who loved me do actually occur in the song is kind of almost an absurd joke yeah it's so weird that it's, those words are in the song. <laughs> and yet it's so perfect. It fits the lyrics. It fits everything about the song. How could you argue this being not in your top three, I guess? Uh, you can't. I mean, I don't know how it scores in, you know, other people's lists, but I hope it's regarded as as uh, an iconic classic of Bond songs. Because I think, as you, as you rightly say, it is actually one of the most iconic movie songs of all time. Um, it's one of the songs that has, like we have all the time in the world, established a life for itself outside of, of Bond canon as just a song that people love and see as a favourite. And I think people might not even know that it's from The Spy Who Loved Me if it didn't have the words The Spy Who Loved yeah. Me in it. 
Uh, and I mean, the context of the film itself, uh, I think the, the franchise had experienced a real slump for the first time in a long time with the man with the golden gun. And, you know, three years in between Bond films was kind of a big deal at the time when they'd been coming out two years apart ever since its inception. Not to mention all of the legal battles that they were uh, going through at the time. Uh, and so when this song just <laughs> shows up with the Union Jack flying through the sky, oh, it's just beautiful. Nothing makes you feel more proud to be an Englishman <laughs> than when this song <laughs> starts playing. Uh, and it's written by Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sager, who are like the titans of songwriting of the era. This is probably among their, you know, their great works. Carly Simon, I think we we, we have both sung Carly Simon songs in our time. Um, yes, oh, certainly. And with gusto, let the river run, baby. Carly Simon is a, a, an incredible performer as well. And I think she's been slightly forgotten uh, for how good a singer she is because, yeah, she belongs to the, the 70s and the 80s. And she belongs very much actually to the sort of genre of movie songs. Let the River Run is the the one that we've both sung in a choir together, and and that from Working Girl is one of the other great all time uh, movie songs. Oh, this list is fantastic. I'm just looking it over again right now from front to back, and I don't really disagree with how things turned out. Uh, you know, maybe a couple things here and there I would switch places, but you know, I see this top ten, and I would say, yeah, I could listen to this any day of the week on repeat. The fact that it's it's Shirley and Carly and Nancy and Sheena in the top five, like that's that's right. That is right. That is where those belong. And then you've got you know Tina and Adele and Louis Armstrong is the only guy. Like I said, he's the only man that made it into the top ten, and that doesn't feel wrong to me. Like Tom Jones is the only person who should have come close, and he is the only person who really did well. You've got Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> and Wings. <laughs> we, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, your Rita Coolidge made it in the top ten. I think that's a pretty fair trade. That's true. <laughs> and I'm my one takeaway from this for you is I am going to implore you to, as Matty implored you to give Gladys another chance, I'm going to say give Rita another chance. All right. I, I'll allow it. I will give it another chance. And I'll try to be kinder to Cheryl. <laughs> but not Paul McCartney. <laughs> No. <laughs> he knows what he did. <laughs> oh, oh my god, this was so fun. I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> yes. It had to be one of the early episodes of the podcast because it's like the thing that a James Bond podcast has to do. I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We we couldn't not have talked about this. Particularly, we, we spent time together over uh, the past few weeks and we listened to the Bond songs. And we couldn't yeah. talk about them, which yeah. was excruciating. <laughs> yeah, it's all, no, we have to save this for the podcast. We can't talk about this now. We have to save this for the podcast. And of course, all the things I wanted to say, I, I've forgotten since then. But this conversation <laughs> was a delight. Thank you so much, Andrew. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, I can't wait for our next ranking episode. I don't even know what that's going to be, but it, it's so much fun to do. It is. We'll have to figure that out very soon. Our next episode of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang drops on December 24th, and you know what that means. If you think Christmas only comes once a year, get ready for Denise Richards as Dr. Christmas Jones in the Pierce Brosnan classic, The World Is Not Enough. Oh, I can't wait. Neither can I! <laughs> oh, it's going to be so much fun. I have so much to say. Christmas is a time for just letting loose and, and having fun. And nuclear physics. <laughs> nuclear physics oh boy <laughs> <laughs> you can follow kiss kiss bang bang on twitter and instagram at kkbb pod or you can send us nice messages including christmas messages at kiss kiss bang bang pod at gmail.com if you have questions uh, we'll be happy to try and answer them on the show you can also follow our individual twitter accounts i'm at wheeler and shane is at shane came back Please share, like, rate, and review Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on your preferred podcasting and social media platforms. It really does help people find the show. Our graphics are provided by the incredibly talented Carl Schurer. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Schurer, C-A-R-L-S-H-U-R-A. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. We acknowledge that we are settlers on unceded territory. 
We end every episode of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with a great piece of Bond-related music, and that includes this episode where all we've done is talk <laughs> about Bond-related music. Um, we will have a playlist for you to uh, go to where you can listen to our music picks, so check out our social media channels, KKBB Pod, to find that playlist. Shane, the pressure is on. Have you picked the right track for the episode where all we do is talk about the music? Well... We are a queer James Bond podcast, as we have said, and I had to go with the queerest cover of the queerest Bond song, and (laughs) obviously one of our favorites. I chose David Arnold's cover of Diamonds Are Forever, featuring (sighs) David McAlmont. It's the sexiest music video. David McAlmont is black excellence. Uh, Does gender drag wonderfully in this video. I can't wait for you all to watch it. The vocals themselves are haunting and seductive, almost as haunting and seductive as Dame Shirley herself. I just couldn't think of any song more fitting to end this episode and to, you know, exemplify our podcast. Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me They can stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert me Thanks for listening. Until next time, kiss kiss, bang bang.